0: All right. Did I get them on? Uh, As we begin, I just want to thank you for having us here. Um, Eleven years. So I think there's a lot of other people wish they'd got that much time between seeing me. So Uh, we're very grateful to be here, and and uh, look forward to this week with you. And we hope that our time spent together will be um, well spent for you in building up. I know that we always feel like we get. We get the main benefit from our time in, these con- in, in different congregations, and I know that will be true here as well. Appreciate the song service and the kind words and the prayers on our behalf. I also want to make mention how much uh, my family and I really appreciate the sacrifices. I know it's not just on our behalf that you make sacrifices and your financial support of, of our work in the kingdom, but I know for others you do, and um, it's, you just don't know how much uh, you've been of help to us through the years. And I know even more help you are in uh, your prayers for us. And we just appreciate you so much. Please keep praying for us. You're always in our prayers as well. Appreciate the reading this morning too, brother. I really love that passage there, Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight. I believe it it sets a stage very well for any assembly we might be going into. If if we wanted a a a passage to set our mind for worshiping purposefully, I, I believe that there may be no other no better passage in the scriptures than that. We have the old scriptures. One of the things that the psalmist, I believe, he wrote to us, that the Lord, he lives in the praise of his people. I think he said he inhabits the praises of Israel. And we know that as we praise him, that we build him a house with our praise. And you see that in Isaiah chapter 6. You see as he's lifted up that these angels and whatever figure that they had, he described them having these three sets of wings. And they were flying with some and covering with some and, and, and all the covering eyes and covering feet. But they were singing praises to God back and forth. Changed my opinion on praise songs, I'll tell you that. I thought whenever we started singing some of these praise songs, I thought this is not this is not a church song. This is just singing the same thing over and over. But I got to read in Isaiah 6, and you have a very, very simple but powerful message. You have one side of the room of these angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The other side is singing, The whole earth is full of His glory. And they're, they're chanting this back and forth. And it's such a powerful scene as they stand before the presence of God that Isaiah breaks down. He's convicted of his sinfulness and of his faults and his flaws as this human frail creature. And he says, all I want to do, all I want to do is join in in that because I am before God and I am too sinful to praise him. I want to be able to worship him. Symbolically, We see the coal taken in tongs off the fire, pressed to his lips, and said, you're cleansed, your iniquities are taken away. And then what it caused in Isaiah is something that every situation should cause in us. Whenever there was a need for the kingdom of God, and they said, who will go for us, who shall we send? He said, here I am. And I believe that every time that we come into a worship assembly of our our God, we are in his presence like Isaiah, that we should be made aware of his glory, that we should be convicted of our sins we're always offered offered an opportunity by our God to have a cleansing spiritually and whenever we leave the worship of God we should go on our way pledging to do more for him how about you when's the last time as you said in assembly after assembly that you left here going I'm going to give more and then you did it That's something for you and I, I think that we need to take purposefully and with great thought that this worship is not just about coming and filling a day on the calendar at the beginning of each week or maybe the middle of the week or maybe a couple of days during a meeting, but every time is an opportunity to be in the presence of God and a chance for me to get stronger in my service for him. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning, this idea of worshiping specifically in the spirit. There's a lot of other aspects, the mechanical ways that we worship in the commandments and and that'd be a whole other study, but I want to focus specifically specifically about the spirit of worship this morning you know we're going to take that from john chapter 4 here in just a moment if you want to be turned there the scriptures will be in a powerpoint uh, in king james version at the bottom left of each slide if you follow along in your bibles the next scripture is up there for your convenience but in john chapter 4 jesus encounters a woman we call her the woman at the well or samaritan woman and he starts having a conversation with her that gets it gets real uncomfortable real quick you know because he starts talking about her personal life and about her bad choices, maybe in marriage, and that she was living with a man or wasn't her husband at the time. And so in order to change the subject, she went to a subject that is not unfamiliar to us today in religious debate. She wants to know about worship. Worship. And in fact, she was pretty proud of the way that she worshiped is the way that I read this. She said, I perceive that you're a prophet, so I want you to tell me this. She says, our father worshiped in this mountain. You say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour cometh when you'll neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the father. But you worship, you know not what. And we know what we worship, salvations of the Jews. But the hour cometh. And now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God's a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You know, she's having a conversation. We have, as I mentioned, and and today we would label this debate contemporary versus traditional. That's how I hear this argument of of worship label today she said you old fogies you're just doing the same thing that is by tradition all through the years but we've busted out of the bonds of tradition and we are we're in nature folks you ever felt that i mean look whenever i, I love hunting whenever i get out there sitting at the deer stand you know early morning a little bit of dew on the ground you know maybe there's a frost on the ground hear the squirrels rustling through yeah, leaves are falling on me. Every little sound could be the next deer coming to the stand. It's I, You just can't help but think in those moments, man, well, look at what he has done. He's made a beautiful creation. And I admit, I feel close to the Lord in those moments. It's a great time of reflection. And a lot of people feel that way. There is no closer place to be in God than out in his creation, in nature, right? Not in some stuffy old building. We're really close to God out there. But you stuffy old folks are doing it the same way you've always done it. Look how mature we are in our worship. And he looked at her and he said, look, because your worship is so wrong, you're not even worshiping the same God anymore. It's completely different. You think you're worshiping God. You remember what the Samaritans had done. In order to keep all those Jews out of those ten tribes up there in that northern kingdom and from going back to Jerusalem where they were worshiping in truth, they had started building up these fake temples, temples that were not designated by the Lord. They started inc- incorporating in other, other countries' religions and false gods into that. It was a mixed bag of worship. And he said, you're at the point, you, you, we're not even worshiping the same God. And that had to be a scary thought for her. We know she walked away convicted. She went away talking about this Jesus, didn't she? And I want to talk a little bit about this idea this morning of what does it mean to worship in spirit because it's obvious it's obvious to me and obvious to you in this passage that if we will worship our God there is a intended way to worship him and there is a way that isn't pleasing him maybe a way that takes us even away from our our first purpose of worshiping God let's focus on worshiping in the spirit so what does that mean there's some biblical terms I believe that start that become they, they get hijacked by religion at times for lack of a better term and people take a term out of the Bible and what they'll do is they'll come in and they'll place their own definition on what that means and I believe worshipping in the spirit is one of those terminologies it, it has been changed and twisted and, and turned around so much that there's a lot of people that believe that worshipping in the spirit is something that it is not and, and you'll probably be familiar with this and we could spend a whole lesson talking about what it's not but I want to just briefly tell you what worshipping in spirit is not worshipping in spirit is not somebody being moved with a feeling or an emotion during a public worship of God and uttering words that they have no idea what they are. And that's a very common practice, and I would believe a probably a heartfelt and strong conviction of many people in the religious world. They believe that this emotion pushes them to speak in a way that they don't understand, but God understands, and that that somehow glorifies God. But we have have direct scripture that teaches us against this, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4. He said, I want you to fall after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So he said, instead of focusing on these spiritual gifts, I want you to focus on, on things that are true doctrine and building up here. And he said, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries, but he that prophesies, Speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort, and he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I, one of the, I, if you, I don't know if you've ever been in an assembly where someone is, quote unquote, speaking in tongues here. I have. I've been in a couple different ways. I've been in the way where people are talking in a way that I have absolutely no clue what they're saying, and I don't believe they do either after conversations with them. They'll admit that. Well, I don't know what it means, but God knew what it means. That's, uh, that's, that's not what the Scripture's teaching here. Now, is it wrong to speak in tongues? No, it's not wrong. But here he puts logistics on it. He puts some qualifications on it. In fact, he goes into it and he said, look, what we're trying to do is speak in a way that everybody understands. He tells us in other places that the spirits are subject to the prophets, that I have control over what comes out of my mouth. What I've seen and how I've seen this in practice, whenever someone is speaking to edification and exhortation and comfort, ways that we can understand, is whenever you have people in an orderly fashion speaking in a tongue and then it is modified or translated. He said 1 Corinthians fourteen nineteen. Yet in the church I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Let's just say I could speak another language, which... You know, I can say a handful of words from a couple different languages, and I don't know any other language. I barely know English. You know, and, and nobody believes me when I said that I was an English major in college after they hear me speak. Everybody believes me when I tell them I didn't finish that degree. Um, I barely got English down. Don't have it down. Anyways, Let's just say though that I could speak in a different language. Let's just say German. And I could speak in German and maybe I could get up here and speak in German and maybe one of you in the audience would be able to get past the fact that I'm just speaking ludicrous words that you don't understand and you think, "Well, wow, that's pretty neat speaking German." But for the most part everybody else in here is going to go, "Don't know what he's saying." don't know what he's doing and you're going to sit there in confusion and you're going to sit there not knowing what you're not going to know if I spoke truth if I spoke something false you're not going to know if I was you know calling your mama names you're not going to know what I'm saying nothing it's just utter confusion but where we see this practice as he commands in this passage to speak one at a time let someone translate I've been a part of that too it's a really cool experience. Now, it does really cramp my speaking length a lot, having a translator, because what you've got to do is you got to utter a couple words. You know, in the name of Jesus Christ, I say this, and, and then you turn it over to the next brother, and, and that brother, he speaks in his language. And then then it's my turn to teach a little bit, and then he... He translates it to someone else. And whenever we're in India, we need a lot of that. There's, I don't know, I heard the other day that the figures is maybe over a hundred different languages. A couple years ago, I thought it was just 50-something languages in that land. You need an interpreter a lot of the places that you go. Is it wrong to speak in tongues? No. We have to do it appropriately. Here, as they were speaking, uh, with the what you have here is the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they enabled people to speak in a way that they had not been taught otherwise. So in that sense, it was incredible. They didn't sit there and, and spend 20 years learning a different language. But that's not what he's talking about, about worshiping in spirit in the scriptures. He's talking about our disposition whenever we worship. John four twenty four four twenty four again. Looking at that word there in a the definition, it's a very common uh, Greek word for for spirit, pneuma there, and you can see it in some places where it's just talking about the breath or or even a gust of wind or things like that. But I believe you get down to these uh, more uh situational and contextual definitions you have the rational soul or your mental disposition or or your life or mind and your heart aspect it's about what you're investing into your worship So it's not just about the mechanics that I showed up at church today, but it's about where my heart was at and where my mind was at. Not about just singing the words, but having the understanding behind them. Not just that I was there, but that I wanted to be there. The Spirit is about investing your whole heart. That's what it means to worship with a spirit. In Psalms 11, 111, he said, Praise you, the Lord. I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. I'll tell you, you cannot do this. You cannot do this without purposing it in your mind. You cannot come into this building and worship God in spirit without having said, prepared your heart for how you're going to participate, how you're going to pay attention, how you're going to pray your prayers or lead your songs or or partake of this communion. You just can't do it. Every aspect of our being has to be focused in on why we are here. Now, I fail in that sometimes. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I find myself distracted. Sometimes I find myself picking out patterns in the carpet, finding cartoon characters in the thread weave. You know, some things can be distracting. But this is about the focusing of all of our being onto the praise of our God. I believe a part of worshiping the spirit is, is not just about that we show up, but why we've showed up. You're familiar with this passage, Psalms 122 and1. One. "Oh David said, I was glad David, said, when I, I was glad when they said to me, "Let us go into the house of the Lord." Are you happy to be here today? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Glad we made it today. How happy are you to be here? How have you shown that to the Lord? Not, not to me. I mean, you can put on a face for me and other people here about how happy you are to be here. But how through the years have you shown the Lord how happy you are to be with his people in his presence, singing those songs glorifying his name? And I got a lot. I, I, there are times whenever I haven't been excited to be at the assembly. I especially remember being younger and sometimes I wasn't as excited because I'd stayed up way too late the night before. And I found myself exhausted in the morning, like some employee dragging himself to work because he's so worn out. I, I went in out of obligation. And I believe that's sometimes the way that we approach the assembly. It's Sunday. It's Sunday morning. I got to be there. Mom will be disappointed if I don't show up today. Everybody else at church is going to be banging my door down. My phone's going to be lighting up like crazy with text going, where are you at? And sometimes we miss the point that whenever somebody lights our phone up like that, it's because people are worried about us, because you miss something important. It's not a small deal. I'll be honest. It's hard to wrap your mind around, and I hope this isn't you, but it's hard to wrap my mind around the idea of someone who can miss a worship assembly of the saints, of their creator, and it's not a big deal. How is it not a big deal? How is he not a big deal? We're not just talking about the first day of the week. We're talking about when he said, I'm glad to come to the house of the Lord. That's any opportunity that people are praising the Lord and building that place of worship. Gladness. How could you miss an opportunity to be around the saints? I'll tell you what, sometimes we create a place that is uninhabitable in a sense. With all of our bickering and squabbling and fighting and a lack of good relationships, sometimes that creates a dread to go worship our God. Because of the way another saint's act, or the way that I have acted. you think that's what happened with Eli's sons, the way that they were offering sacrifice and, and polluting it it caused other people not even want to be a part of it? Maybe that could be a problem. What's the problem? Why is not it not a big deal? Listen, we have so much to be thankful for, and I think that's where our joy comes from in this assembly. We read passages like this, other well-known, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. We sing songs about these. We've got songs written around these verses here. I'll enter his praise with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. I'll say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. You know that song. You listened to it since you was a kid. Well, I come here because I'm thankful. That's what it ought to be. That's where the joy comes from. How thankful are you? In Him we live and breathe and have our being. There's not a breath you take, not a step you take, not a morsel of food that enters through your lips, not a possession that you own, not a strength that you have that did not come from our God. There is no possibility of salvation with Him. There is no one greater. There's nothing you can build that He hasn't already built and built it better. He's incredible, and He's done so much for you and for me. Why shouldn't we come and thank Him? And someone say, well, Brother Lee, the assembly isn't the only place that we, we can be thankful Sure, I'll grant you that. But what a great opportunity to come together with other people and hear the other things that people are thankful for. You listen to some of these prayers, some of the people people make mention of and they're grateful for, some of the things that have happened over them in the week. You get to hear other pieces of others' lives so you can rejoice with them. Another thing you could be thankful to God for. And the list could go on and on. Worshiping in spirit means that there is a joy of worship inside of us. But I believe that that probably brings up another question. Worship in spirit means my whole heart invested, my understanding, the the joy and happiness and the thankfulness that I bring to the table. But where people many times go wrong, they have joy. They're happy to go be there. But where we go wrong is the worship part. Our feelings and our emotions lead us astray. It's not about emotions and feelings. And I think sometimes we probably don't worship God in the spirit because we don't understand what worship is. That word worship there in John chapter 4, verse 24, you're probably familiar with it. But it's that word, pros, pros, yeah, it's a P word, proscunio. Um And it means to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, to fawn or crouch to. That is, to prostrate oneself in homage or due reference or door. There's a, a great deal of humility invested in the idea of worship, right? It's not about just singing a song and sounding pretty and things like that. He said, you like a dog. Now, the Scriptures isn't very friendly to dogs. You know, you look through the Scriptures, and for the most part, dogs are, I guess, probably about the most positive teaching that you can find about dogs in the Scriptures may be where the dogs licked old Lazarus' wounds. About the most positive thing I can find. Most of the time, it's beware of dogs or that they are dogs and not in a positive way. It's just not a very good term, but he said here, or we can look in the definition. We see a really good idea. It's like a dog licking his master's hand. I, I don't have dogs anymore. Oh, Miles, he's super allergic to everything under the sun. But I had a dog when I was growing up, and I had this little rat terrier with the clipped ears and the bobtail, you know, little spots all over it. Named her Punch, not because I was an overly violent child, but because I liked Hawaiian Punch. And you know, sometimes I wasn't always the nicest boy to punch. Sometimes I wasn't always a good boy to anyone else in life. But I'll tell you, every time that I came home to punch, the dog was excited. And I'd walk in the house, and she lived in the house. I don't know. I may have been the dog hair boy when I was a kid, but because the dog lived in the room with me. But I'd I'd hear this little tap dancing of nails on the bottom of the front of her cage, you know, where her blanket was, and it was just. And I could hear her just spinning circles in there. And I'd walk in there and I'd talk to her, just silly. We talked to her silly, and we talked to our kids. What are you doing? You've been good. You excited to see me and that dog would just spin circles just 90 miles an hour and then I'd let her out of there and she'd jump out and she'd wiggle and she'd turn circles and she'd jump on him and she'd lick if I'd get down there, I'm not into dog licking but if I got down there I tell you that dog would lick everything off of my face you know why that dog had it didn't care what it looked like look silly look silly but it didn't care what it looked like all it knew is you're my master I love you I care about you so much There is so much focus and adoration and humility in a dog that they can't help themselves. They don't care what they look like, what they sound like. They just want you to know how much they love you. Here we are. We're in the assemblies of our Lord. And our master has led us into his presence. He's he's with us. He ain't never been gone from us, but here he is with us. And there's so many times as we offer our worship to him, That we do it from obligation. We do it with stoic faces. We do it without a lot of emphasis in our voice. We're singing just loud enough that we could say we're singing if we're singing. But we're worried about if we sing a little bit off pitch. Oh, I'll leave that singing all you folks who sing good. It ain't about singing good. It's about showing God how much you love him. We're worried that we're going to mess up and be funny, or or look silly to someone else. So we don't want to pray our prayers in church, or we don't want to we don't want to get up and do something we we haven't done before, or or we just don't invest all of our thought process because we forget we're with the Master. And then on any given day, He's still great. He's a great Creator. It isn't about us. It isn't about me and what I look like. It's about that He's created everything. He's the Master of all. Even the earth obeys Him. Everything he created in the world, it does what he told him to do. We don't. Everything in this world, it glorifies him and brings praise to his name. And there are too many times we don't. Praise is about emptying ourselves of just that, self, and giving it all to him. Do you empty yourself in this assembly? We had this phrase when I was a kid and playing football. Football was saddened me in my life. And I really loved this saying to coach, leave it all on the field. And what I knew that meant was is that if I was going to play my hardest by the time the game was over, I'm going to be exhausted. Now, I know that this isn't a massive physical assertion for us in here, but if we're investing all of our thoughts, all of our energy into him, I don't know, we might walk away here with a little bit less voice some days, and it'll be a good thing. We might walk away having built up a mental sweat, and then we go home and, and that we're studying and we're diligent and we're pursuing and seeking something. Wear ourselves out over finding this new truth that we haven't seen before, or examine an old truth where we find ourselves lacking. Have you come in here and left it all for Him? What is the act of worship to you? Because we know what it is the Lord that will give Him everything. The Old Testament, we understand that sacrifice, generally speaking, was something that was given to God that was physical, a sacrifice of somebody's means. Uh, or, their, or their careers. A lot of times it was a flesh sacrifice or a, a burnt sacrifice. Sometimes it was a grain sacrifice or a corn sacrifice. There was all types of different sacrifices in the Old Testament. But one of the sacrifices mentioned in Jeremiah 33 and 11 is the sacrifice of praise. He says the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of them that will say, excuse me, Praise the Lord, a host. For the Lord is good; for his mercy endures forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return to the captivity of the land. At the first, saith the Lord. Now uh, we can talk about a lot of other things in this context, but I want you to notice that one of the things that was recognized as a sacrifice to God in the Old Testament was praise. Now, were there a lot of other things required for sacrifice? Uh, absolutely, but they could offer offer the sacrifice of praise. And now the New Testament is very similar in that fact. Hebrews thirteen and fifteen, he says by Christ we can therefore he says by Christ let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name very similar in the way that they talk about praise what we need to talk about with sacrifice and the praise of our worship is what have we really sacrificed to God what type of sacrifice have we been giving to him because we know those people old time they weren't always good at giving the best to God they'd reserve something for themselves Malachi Malachi is a rough first chapter especially It's a rough book. I mean, he goes scorched earth on those folks there. I want to read just a piece of it. I encourage you to go read the whole chapter because I believe it can really encourage us and hopefully provoke us to some strong worship and sacrifice. So look at the ways they were given sacrifice here. He said in verse 6, A son honors his father, a servant honors his master. If I then be your father, where's my honor? If I be your master, where's my fear? Said the Lord of hosts. Unto you, O priests, that despise my name. You say, where have we despised your name? You offered polluted bread upon my altar. And you say, where have we polluted thee? And that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if we offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor now. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? In verse 10 he says, who is there among you that would shut the doors for nothing? Neither do you kindle fire on the mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you. Said the Lord, of host, neither will I accept an offering of your hand. I'll tell you what worship has become for our society today. Whether it's not about duty, a lot of times it's about what do I get out of it. What is in it for me? And he said, a lot of you won't do it unless you think there's something in for you. And he said, even when you do it, you're not offering the best that you can. Because, why? Because it's not about me. It's about you. And they said, well, how has it become all about us? And he said, well, let me just show you in a comparison. Look at all the sacrifices you give to every other master in your life to your fathers, to your daddies, the respect and honor that you give them. The way that you revere them, boy, they were, in their mind at least, they were reverers of the generations before, right? How proud were they to say, we are the sons of Abraham? Boy, we respect them. May not have done what Abraham did, but they thought they respected him and revered them. Mom followed their mamas and daddies, and, and the grandfathers off down into a trail of sin many times. They honored their parents, right? He goes on to say, once not you offer it to your governors or to your other masters. Give them the same type of sacrifice you give to me. What type of effort do you give in the work, during the work week? Do you give the same type of effort here? Well, we can go a lot of different areas in this. How much time do you give to work? Well, we give a lot of time. We make sure we're on time, right? We don't want to get fired. Is it not important to be on time here? Maybe that's a smaller end of this. Uh, not a really huge deal, I guess, that we show up 40 minutes before church starts, right? not a huge deal but maybe we could bring more to the table maybe we could do more provoking to love and good works before the assembly are we willing to give more to work what about the efforts that we give do we do top-notch work and we're climbing the ladder of success in our work but here we are in growing and improving that we're still investing in our study the same way that we did when we we first joined the kingdom are we still Participate in the same capacity in His kingdom that we always have, or have we grown? Have we improved? Have we given more? What about to your families? How much time do you spend? We, hey, family's a big deal, right? We we got those on all so many living rooms. We got these signs: ain't mocking you if you got them, but that faith, family, friends deal. And I think sometimes we got that we practice it way out of order, and we go family, friends, and faith if we got time. If there's not a family holiday going on. If somebody don't have a ball game going on, then faith. Family comes first, and we spend all this time with our blood kin and all these things. What about the assembly? What about our God? We give the best to our kinfolk. We give the best to our bosses. We give the best to the world. What about in here? And I don't mean just in this building. I mean, what about in this worship to our God? Have we given the best? He said, I won't take it. There's a lot of people in this world that whenever they come to the assembly, they're forcing whatever sacrifice they want on him. Sometimes it's not even what he's asked for. And they go, well, I have these great talents and skills, and God gave it to me. So God here, accept my sacrifice, because this is what you're getting. And sometimes we come to this room, and and we feel justified that, well, we don't have no instruments in our assembly, and we're worshiping in the correct way. And yet the, the, the song that come out of our mouth doesn't have a lot of heart behind it. And we just ain't putting a lot of volume in it. And we think we're superior. Where's our investment? Where's our sacrifice? What a scary thing. What a scary thing to think that I've looked at the Lord and I've given him a moldy piece of bread. And I said, that's what you're getting. Choke on it. Be satisfied. Because this is the sacrifice I'm giving you. No, we need to give him the sacrifice he asked for. And that's every, every part of our being invested into a recognition of who he is. And what he deserves from us, and being happy to give it to him, just the way he had. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. You know, there's a little lady in Mark chapter twelve, is talking about giving the funds for those who are in need. And this little woman, we call her uh, the the widow with a mite. You know, here Jesus said against the treasury, and she said, "Behold, now the people cast money in the treasury, and many cast, many the rich cast in much. And there was a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing." And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, This poor widow has cast more in than all they that have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast into their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. It's hard to imagine only having, I don't know the exact ratio of how much just a couple of mites are, but you know, I, I used to feel like $100 was a lot, and it really isn't a whole lot now. I never really felt like a penny was a whole lot. But it seems like even less now. And I don't know if that's an exact ratio. Somebody might know that in here. But I'll tell you, that's about what the point is here. Really, all she had was a couple pennies to rub together. And she said, I'll still give it. I I don't know what talent is you think you do or you do not possess. What blessing you feel like you can and cannot bring to this assembly. But whatever you have, if you give it all, it's enough. Whatever you have, whatever your abilities in singing a song, give it all. Whatever abilities you have in listening to a sermon, give it all. And I'll tell you, it's a blessing from God because God, as the one who seeks those to worship Him in spirit and truth, He looks at the sacrifice of everything and He said, Yes, this is it. This is exactly what I've been looking for. For you to just lay it all on the table for me. Keeping nothing for yourself. And I promise you, if you'll do that with your worship, it's going to come back to you. And we're not talking about financially, we're talking about in your spiritual growth and in your well-being and in the well-pleasingness. That may not be a word, well-pleasingness, but in the way that you'll be well-pleasing to our Father in heaven and in the way that you will lift everybody up around you. Now, you think about it. We got a little group of kids. Now, we got kids all through here, but at home, we got this row of kids right up here, don't we, Ian? Right here in the front. Little girls, little boys sometimes sitting up there, and they're they're kids, they're not perfect, so I ain't lifting them up here like that. But I'll tell you what I love in the assembly. I love, and you, you know it, you've seen it, to watch a whole row of little kids just sing to the top of their lungs. And, you know, during that invitation song, when I'm standing right there in front of them, there isn't very many of them singing on pitch, (laughs) but they're giving it everything you have. They have. You know what that encourages me? One of the ladies in our congregation back home, she had a real hard time during COVID. She was in the hospital for months and months, eventually off and on the vent. And, and she eventually ended up with a tracheotomy. And, uh, Can't hardly talk. I was preaching on the assembly here a little while back and talking about investing everything that you had in your singing, as I was talking about specifically. There she sat at the back of the building, and she couldn't even open up her voice to sing, but I watched her do this. I watched her just close her eyes and just soak it in. That's all. And I'll tell you, even that right there, because she didn't have the physical ability to sing, but you know she felt like Isaiah. I know she does. I just want to sing. But she gave her heart and invested it in. You got a couple mites? Throw them in the pot. This is the place to do it. All of your heart, all of your investment, you're going to encourage people here and the Lord's going to be pleased. Philippians 4 verse 18, he said, I know uh, I have all and I abound and I'm full uh, having received of uh, Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. It's an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. At the end of our days, what we don't want to find out is that what we gave was was an odious sacrifice, one that smelled rotten, looked rotten, and it was not acceptable in any form or fashion to our God. But you know, as children, what you want to do most, what you want to do most is you want to hear from your parents. I'm proud of you. Some parents are pretty sparing with that praise, you know. But when it comes, it means a lot. From our Lord, I think too often we get to looking at him as someone who's hard to please. Someone who can't be pleased with our best efforts, but I'll tell you folks, that's not the case. Though he has a certain set of requirements for what he expects from us in this worship, it's attainable. And we can give a sacrifice that to him is pleasant and well-pleasing, but it takes an investment. Jesus said that the Father seeks such to worship him. Who? The ones who will worship in spirit and in truth. Now, this week isn't the only week you'll have an opportunity to worship your God. We got a couple extra chances this week, and I hope to see you at every assembly. Not because I'm great or a good speaker. You already know I'm making up words and things like that. But because our God is great. And because he deserves to be worshipped at any opportunity that we have. That Your people, your brothers and sisters in here, they deserve to have someone here investing in them, provoking them to love and good works. I know this. Jesus said the Lord is seeking such to worship him. The question to you and I is, are we seeking to worship him? If you have a spiritual need in your life this morning, why don't you please come forward and sit on this front pew while we stand and we sing the song that's selected.